Hello and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. This is where we talk about the art and culture of running an indie record label. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope you've checked out previous episodes before, um, but if this is your first time hearing us, make sure you do that. But thank you for joining. Um, and today's podcast is with an incredible label from Delaware. And, and by golly, do we talk about Delaware a lot because it's an interesting under talked about <laughs> state in America. But today we're talking with Impetus Records and I think it's a cool chat. You may not have heard of them, but at the end of this, you'll know a lot about them and, and I'm very excited for that. Um, if you haven't already, please go to otherrecordlabels.com and download our free guide. I told you, I don't know if I, I have told you about this before, but when you go to otherrecordlabels.com and you sign up for this free guide, there's a link to our Facebook group where a bunch of indie labels, and if you're not a part of a label, but you're thinking about starting one or you're an indie artist, then you can still join, but you can come over to Facebook and there's over 80 people people now who've joined that is kind of crazy to me and uh, I, I hope and it's starting to happen that there's going to be a dialogue where we talk about some of the the challenges and, and find ways to encourage each other and discuss this industry a little bit further than what happens here uh, on the podcast so otherrecordlabels.com and you can grab the free guide there if you haven't already anyway thank you for listening um, I, I check the numbers of the podcast like three times a day I'm a little bit obsessed um, and it's the the growth over the past year has been incredible and i find it really encouraging and some of the emails and notes that i've been getting on on instagram and wherever has also been really encouraging so thank you for that thank you for listening if you have some suggestions or ideas or complaints you can email me at podcast at other but seriously thank you for listening okay so first of all we're talking with diego and olivia and uh and it's called impetus records Yep. Nice. Impetus Records. Impetus Records. I, okay, so you guys are from Delaware. Um, we are. Is, is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's like a state you don't hear much about. Is that like an advantage or a disadvantage to you guys as opposed to being somewhere more competitive like New York or California? That is a really interesting question. Um, well, I think that the scene that we are part of the community here um, that's based around Newark and Wilmington and Wilmington is where we're at the record label itself is based. Okay. We have kind of paved our way. We've started to make connections with, you know, bands and, and artists and people who are also booking shows and doing sort of the same things uh, throughout the East coast. I know that Diego has toured and has met a lot of people in a lot of different places. Um, but I feel like, Sometimes people generally are like, oh, Delaware. Like, what <laughs> yeah. Delaware? I think there's a, a misconception that, that like, people should, to build a scene, you need to either be, like, in a city or, like, I, yeah, I mean, that's really, like, there's this conception that you need to be in, like, a city that is, like, already known. Yeah, that's right. Right. Being yeah, you know, and yeah. and that's not. I'm I'm a strong proponent of the idea of like locality, and I think that part of that means dealing with what we know. So the, the label itself, we only deal with Delaware-based bands because that is the scene that we are a part of, mm -hmm. and it feels somewhat appropriate for us to see. We we just we work to document the bands that we know. 
and the bands that we know are the ones that we okay, play so, with. And we- so let me ask you, so you're saying that the bands in your label are only from Delaware? That's intentional? Yes, that's intentional. Okay. Uh, that's that's and, part of the idea. And I love that. I think that's a really cool thing because especially from like underrepresented areas like Delaware. Hey, is that the first state? That's what I always see on the license plate. Is that what that means? It was the first state? It is the first state. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that must be something to be proud of. It's interesting. If you care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an easy flagship thing, but it doesn't play much into daily life. Right. <laughs> into daily life. You guys don't like like give yourself a high five every morning? No, no. I mean, I do that anyway. Sure. (laughs) Not because you're the first state. Okay. So, yeah, but just sorry, going back, I I think that is a cool thing because um, when there's unique places, not just in America, but unique places in the world, and they say, hey, this label is going to represent this city or this uh, village or this group of people, um, I, I think it's a really cool thing. So, is that, are you committed to that long term or are you willing to? go outside of Delaware down the road? Uh, we're, I'm not too concerned with what the long term brings. It doesn't mean I don't care mm-hmm. to about the things that we're working on. Uh, it just means that, you know, if I'm more, if I'm wondering what a band will sound like 10 years in the future, I'm going to miss something that happens today. <laughs> right. So I spend my time focusing on, I spend time focusing on the people that already exist and yeah. working on that. Uh, so far, we've only done dollar bands, and that that makes that is what makes sense to me now. Uh, I imagine that is what will make sense to me later, but I don't know that, so I don't want to. I don't want to say that's how fair. hard on that. No, that's a good point, and and I I really do like that idea. Um, and you know, that's something I had kind of toyed with about representing only Canadian bands, and we kind of moved away from it at some point. But um, it was it, I just think I think it's something that it makes it easier for fans to identify with. Uh, and then when there's fans from, you know, all over the world who are like, you know, hey, this label is just Delaware bands. It's, it just has a cool thing to it. I like it. Yeah. What's well, this? Thanks. You're welcome. Um, I'm just going to pause for a sec. Can you guys like, um, are you able to, I don't know how far you are from the microphone. Are you guys come forward just a little bit? I just get yeah, there's sure. like a little bit of distance. Is that better? Yeah, that's perfect. That's great. Oh, it, cool. it, the audio sounds really good. It's really clean, and it's just there was like a little bit of like uh, distance. Um, what's the scene like? Does the um, the state of Delaware? I mean, we were talking about these kind of cliche towns, um, you know, like like Nashville or or Atlanta or Brooklyn or stuff. But does um, is there any identifiable culture that's exclusive to Delaware at all? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So in music, at least. Okay. Yeah. I- I don't want to speak too much on the culture of the state as a whole. Cause I think it's kind of homogenized much like the rest of yeah, okay. the country, at least the East coast, but especially within our scene, there's definitely a kind of a, uh, certain like creed that has developed. Like, I, I guess, I don't know. You can, you can kind of tell when someone goes to shows at this point, <laughs> uh, they just don't really like, so the, the city that most shows happen in is Newark, which is, is right outside of Wilmington. And that's a college town uh, okay. where the University of Delaware is based, which is a big like fraternity school. Uh, 
a big like frat party. Your cliche state school, basically. Okay. Um, we have a couple different um, house venues that are active, actively booking shows. I actually live. I live at a house that is um, the oldest running house venue in Newark. We've been wow. active about five years. I've only lived there for about a year and a half, but um, it's been active for about five years and. Throughout the past, I would say, year and a half, two years, um, myself and a couple other of the or- kind of, you know, organizers of the scene have been working really hard to create a more cohesive community rather mm. than just like, okay, here's someone who's booking a show at their house and a bunch of these random people are going to come. It's it's like we're, we're actually trying to, um, yeah. you know, create something. It, it used to be interesting. There used to be shows where where it was all touring bands because there really weren't too many local bands to book. Mm-hmm. And now most bands, most bills probably have it. If at not, least two. at least two, I know Sometimes like a lot of people will book just local bands, you know, like, That's like cool. it's, it's, yeah, we've yeah. had kind of like, I mean, bands, you know, especially what am I saying a lot of bands here, you know, they come and they go, but I found that, in the past two years, there's been kind of an influx of, of bands forming. Um, a lot of new bands have formed, so there's a lot of um, opportunities for local booking. And, you know, for us, there's a lot of opportunities for us to start representing new bands. I, I, want, I want to ask you about the, the aspect of the college town, because I live in a college town, too. A university is here. And, and you would kind of assume that it would bring young, cultured people into the city and that automatically you'd have more people coming out to events. But that's not always the case. And, and I originally, I found it to be uh, a little more difficult depending on what the university or the college studies. Um, it, you know, if it's not necessarily a, an arts uh, university, then you maybe won't get those people out. Do you, do you pull from those crowds or are those people uh, a little bit separate from your scene? Uh, That's funny because I actually, I study music at University of Delaware and I found this whole scene through, um, you know, in my freshman year, I met one of my now best friends in the class and she kind of introduced me to this scene. Um, yeah, sometimes it can be hard, um, because there's not really a way for us to go and like canvas on the campus and, and say like, Hey, you look cool. Do you want to come to a house (laughs) show? Like, um, but we, I think people tend to find their way to us. I, I try not to worry too much about like the frills of college students. Like, like I never, I never went to college, and I, I don't really. I, I I understand there's a clear like like demographic that could appeal, uh, and we work to like promote. But I don't, I don't particularly try and focus on college students any more than I would, you know, yeah. high school. Sure. Right. And part of part of the reasoning for that is that we don't want this scene to be specifically for college students. We want this to be something that is for everybody. Um, at least at the house I book at, our shows are all all ages. We don't, mm. you know, turn anybody away for how old or young they are and we want our scene to be something where anybody can come and feel welcome as well, long as you're not in that's, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's really smart. I think your guys' out, out, uh, outlook on that is smart because I think there are disadvantages too. I mean, college kids aren't around all year and then and they're gone in four years and their commitment level changes all the time. So it's it's good to kind of to grow a, a more stable foundation of fans. Yeah, we, we worked pretty hard to... Uh, a lot of people that... You know, like Olivia said, they come and go, 
but that, I, I also think that's part of just the nature of working in one scene. Like when you're working with a community of people that will always change and, and grow, mm. you know, I, I, in the same way that I wouldn't expect like a restaurant to have the same menu. Right. Forever. <laughs> right. Does the university help you at all? Like, like, is there a radio station that you utilize or, or can you promote stuff on campus? Well, there's, there's, it is a radio station um, run by the university, but we don't, the, I think that the people kind of, um, what is the word here? They don't really, they just, there isn't a lot of um, communication between the two. Mm. It's some of the same people that help with the radio station that are, also in our scene and like there's um a club on at ud that books shows on campus and i know a lot of us i'm on the e-board for that myself a lot of us that are in that club are part of the scene as well but um as for actually getting help from the university we don't there's not that right. much of that yeah. <laughs> yeah no i get that okay so let's talk about the label when when and 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 how did this all come together sure so uh in 2015 i was in a band called paint the sun and uh there wasn't really much of a scene to speak of uh there was another band called the subterraneans you know uh and we had a couple friends that would come out to shows Mm. and it was pretty much our two bands and we would play shows and that was it um there were probably about 10 of us Mm. and so um in 2015 that band broke up and in 2016, just a few months later, the Subterraneans broke up. And uh, we, Paint the Sun had broken up before we ever got the chance to record anything. But the Subterraneans had recorded a demo. So I talked with the guitarist um, from that band. Uh, and we had gotten together and we decided it would be a cool idea to put those two records out since they had never... Like since they would never see the light of day, and we wanted we wanted something more physical than like a release on Bandcamp or SoundCloud or something. Uh, it just seemed a little more important yeah. to us than than just like a link. And so, um, so we we worked to put that out. It was like a couple of us working on it, um, and then by the time the Subterraneans record came out, because during this time we still had to record the Paint the Sun record because it wasn't actually recorded when we decided to do that okay it took us about a year to get together to put that record out and also to uh figure out how to put a record out you know forms and sure you know jackets printed and all those things so by the time the seven inch came out uh a bunch of new bands had started forming uh, a couple folks from the subterraneans had formed the band nap um everyone at paint the sun had eventually formed the band merger which is the band that i was in um a few other, we had friends that, that started a band called Think Machine and that we were, new bands were coming out and then we started hearing about bands coming from Newark. Um, and so we decided that it might make some sense to continue the label uh, because there wasn't, because there was no, I mean, there was no real interest to be generated in, in what we were doing uh, outside of, outside of our city. Mm. Uh, and so we decided to continue continue in the you know just so that there was someone who would be able to take care of the music we figured we could probably do a a better job than trusting someone else you know so right 
and started in the- I mean, have you had you been exposed to record labels before? Like, where did that? I'm mean, sometimes I'm curious how the that idea pops into someone's head because it's not as common as other careers in music. It's it's very niche. Like, what drew you to, uh, you know, a record label or running a record label in general? Um, I had I, I guess everything I do currently, both like within the label and outside of it is kind of all based on the fact that when I was 16, I wanted to be in, I had nothing to do. So I started a band. Um, I don't really like starting a record label kind of just made sense because we had more than one band that were looking to put something out. And we thought a unifying name might be to show the commonality between it. That's kind of still the idea for the label is that like someone might not know the band Kobaka, but if they've heard of Think Machine, they can find out that the two, you know, most of the members live together mm. and tour together and practice in the same space. Like, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's the idea that like, it's all one community and it's a lot closer than people might otherwise believe. I, I always found and I, I mean, my label started the same way as yours. And, and I found that the, the, the real springboard for a label was for bands to share resources and to, um, record on each other's records and and to um, bring their friends to the other people's gigs. Do you find that like the community aspect where people are 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 uh, helping it thrive? Yeah, I think without that, it wouldn't be worth doing. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, the, the mm-hmm. music is 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 the reason for coming together, but I think the reason for actually sticking around and engaging with it is the fact that you actually have friends based out of it, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's, otherwise I just sit in my room and record something, <laughs> which is not a put down. That's fine if people want to do that, but that to me, that's not as engaging. Okay, uh, so what? When when did you officially say you know get the name and and, and buy the dot com and say this is the this is the label? What what year was that? Uh, so in twenty seventeen, we came up with the name, um, and that was kind of based off it, you know, an impetus is something that would propel something forward. So we thought it would be a, a fitting name for there, for there to have only been, you know, like probably at that time, like maybe like eight to 10 bands. So we thought that, you know, if there was something to propel like the name of the scene forward, then it might, uh, we just thought that was fitting Mm -hmm. for what we're trying to do. Um, I don't know exactly when the name came about. Um, when did the dot com come the out? The dot com in 2018, uh, we we sat down and like made a website. So that was a few months after the record came out. Uh, I actually made the website twice. So I, <laughs> I had made the website and I accidentally reset the entire default setting. <laughs> um, it, it was it was about a week before our next release came out. Yeah. So I had to spend that entire week instead of promoting that record. Uh, I had to try and rebuild this website. I actually think I made it a little bit better. I have some issues with the website now, but that's not really, (laughs) I don't, you know, uh, but that was around the time Mike started helping out too. Okay. Because, uh, so now if you want to, yeah, Mike is here. (laughs) Oh, great. Hi Mike. Thanks for joining us. Did you sleep in? No, no, no. I, I was out and about like <laughs> um, Two this, minutes after 
started out just been silently listening and enjoy. You know, this is the first time, I think this is the first time I've, well, definitely the first time I've had three people. I've had two people before. So congratulations on Imp- to Impetus. This is the first three-person <laughs> interview ever. Thank you. So much. <laughs> oh, so what? Okay, now that Mike's here, and and uh, I want to ask all you, all of you guys, because I mean, for being a a small uh, and and fresh label, it, it's so encouraging to 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 hear that you guys have more than just one person who's committing their life to this. So, um, what do, what do, what do each of you do, and how many people are involved in the label? Uh, so there's. Three of us. That, that's, that's pretty much is the label. A few friends help out with here and there with other things. Uh, I would say the three of us are, are the main. Yeah, we're the, we're the people that work the most. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I handle pretty much a lot of the like administrative tasks. Like I meet with bands to kind of figure out like the terms for putting a record out and how mm-hmm. that works. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, I end up being the one that updates the site. Um, but you know that's it, it's basically whatever work that isn't getting done by the other folks. It usually falls onto me, okay. which is fine. Uh, it's about delegating. That's fine. <laughs> uh, what about I, Olivia? What do you, what do you what do you do? So I actually came on board just about a, a little less than two months ago. I would say um, I came on board very recently, and I handle marketing and promotion. So I, I manage the social media pages and. Obviously, I, I sent you. I reached out to you and sent the email. So I was sending, yeah. thank you. you know, promotional emails about our latest releases. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and um, social media, I handle all that. Um, I handle our email list, which we're trying to get going right now. And then I just do whatever else Diego needs. Cool. And Mike Clark. I had a friend in college named Mike Clark. Is that that's it, your it name? Common name. <laughs> it's like John. Um, what, what about you, Mike? Uh, basically when I first started getting on board, uh, with Diego, uh, it was kind of the, the end period of the previous person, Peter kind of working. So I really liked what was happening. So I wanted to join on board. And so with that, we kind of figure out the division of labor as the intensity and amount of work kind of piles up. Diego is a very forward and heavy work oriented individual. So a lot of the times he will be absolutely swamped with things. And so I try to keep open. So anytime he says like, Hey, this has been really swamping me down. And I have some things that would be, uh, I want to put more priority into right now. I am more than happy to learn how to do whatever and kind of handle it from there. I was uh, placing the order for the most recent release uh, with the vinyl company and dealing with the representatives there for pressing it. And most recently, I'm about to document everything that we still have from the entire collection and figure out where we're going to be going from there and just have essentially all of our books in order and transactions. I'm about to enter the accounting period of everything that has happened in the year thus far, as that can kind of fall by the wayside uh, when big on creating and doing so much. A lot of the the minutiae of the administrative tasks can be kind of uh, forgotten about. Do you guys get along well? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I should hope so. Yeah. so, so. Mike, Mike and I both live here at Impetus House. And then and then Diego's partner lives with me, so we see a lot of each other. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Um, okay, I have so many questions, and I think it's, a, it's really cool, like... Um, 
how this all goes out uh, is gone on and everything. And um, I forgot like the question I had while Mike was talking. Mike was so articulate that he just kind of distracted me. But um, oh. what what do you what does a release look like when you? Um, cause you know, Olivia talked about marketing and promotion a little bit. This is such a challenge for, uh, n- new labels and encouragingly old labels as well. But, um, what does a, a release look like for you, um, when the record is done and ready to go? How, how far back do you start promotion? What kind of things do you do for promotion, et cetera? Um, it, it really, a lot of it depends on the like the format, uh, you know, like there's a pretty strong, like kind of international community for cassette releases. So mm-hmm. if it's a cassette release, then it's like, you know, that you can kind of put that out a little bit quieter and, uh, but it's going to have a wider impact kind yeah. of just because of the, the community that exists there. So a lot of times it's just like waiting for the release, the actual record to get back once it's been pressed. Um, and then, and then like, you know, just mailing some out to, to certain blogs if they want to, like, if they're, you know, primarily physical release, sure. basis, we'll send it to them. And then, or it's just like mailing, you know, emailing, uh, yeah, my, my first task here was, um, basically I guess market research. I was spending my first, you know, the first task I had when I came on, I was scouring Facebook and you know, the internet and Instagram, and I was finding blogs and podcasts, radio shows, um, zines, et cetera, et cetera. And I was compiling them into a master list. And then I would email them Hmm. about our releases to see if anybody wanted to feature us or interview or review the albums. How did that go? How did that go? It went, it went okay. I think I compiled somewhere around 60, um, you know, blogs and zines yeah. and, and podcasts, et cetera. And we heard back from um, less than 10. Okay. Oh, we heard back from less than 10. That's pretty good. I think that's great. <laughs> there's some people we're still waiting on. Um, there's, there's a podcast out of Philly that we're waiting on to schedule an interview. And um, yeah, that was, it was kind of hard for me. That was my first time doing some like really hardcore marketing and I was kind of disappointed. I was like, I've emailed so many people and no one's emailing me back, but that's how it goes. So yeah, I think that's kind of the nature of things, uh, especially when we are working on a scene where like a lot of bands are relatively either new or haven't just haven't toured very much yeah. or, yeah. you know, like when, yeah. we're, when we're documenting like one community, it, we don't have a lot of like breakout names, you know, well, I think that's what's right. yeah, and one of the advantages that you can have, and you mentioned this a little bit with cassettes, is that like when you do a cassette release, even though the band is entirely unknown to the rest of the world, they can become quickly known just based on how cool the cassette looks, or even just by the fact that you've done a cassette and you've posted it to a subreddit or you've posted it to a podcast that features cassettes. So I think that's like gives you a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, I. It's interesting. I. So the the latest release was the first. What? Yeah, it was the it was the first cassette release we've done, and um. I, it's interesting. I've never not for any reason, particularly, but just on a personal note, uh, I, I I've always hated the cassette format. I think it's okay. pretty terrible. Like just in terms of audio quality, sure. Uh, it's not good, and I, I think people like it for that reason. That's confusing to me. Okay. But I don't, I try not to 
I, you know, I'm not, it's not the hill I'm going to die on. Yeah, but yeah. It, no, that's it, fair. <laughs> you know, same way that I don't really listen to a lot of digital music unless it's like unavailable elsewhere. Right. I, I just, right. it's just not the format that I listen to. I will, you know, if that's, if that's the available format, I will. But, um, it, but it seems silly to me to not make it available in a format just because I personally don't like it. That's you know? smart. That's uh, very wise. So, so yeah, so we did a cassette release and it's, it's done pretty well. It's a, and, and, you know, comparatively to some of the other records and stuff. So I also think that's a testament to the bands, but, uh, and, and you know, so. do you do digital with everything? Do you do Bandcamp and then, uh, Spotify, Apple music? Yeah. Yeah. We've done digital release for everything. The only one, the first release, the subterranean seven inch, we didn't immediately do digital. Oh, okay. Um, that's cool. A lot of the members were still in high school, or not a lot. All of them were still like juniors in high school when that came out, oh, and wow. so, and so we uh, we thought it would be wise to let them try and like promote that in school That's rather than what was available. Did that so go that, okay? Yeah, it went, it went well. We 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 were kind of surprised. I mean, we'd never put a record out, so we had no idea what that would look like. But um, we were kind of surprised with how well people like how receptive to, I mean, they were a pretty popular band when they were around, like they would sell out like 150 like seated. Wow. Like, which is pretty crazy. Um, considering that all the members were 16 when they broke up. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty nice advantage to have the ability to, to send someone to do marketing inside of a high school. <laughs> I yeah. don't have that advantage. Yeah. We went to Mike and I both attended uh, an art school in the area. It was Cap Calloway School of the Arts. Um, I don't think that was as pivotal and central to the school as like it may sound. Mm. Um, but there was a certain element of like I think I think more than anything else, kids just want something to do, and so sure, yeah, you know, and so um, anyone that has some sort of creative outlet probably so. Uh, let me ask Mike about this vinyl. Um, so you're doing vinyl is aside from the seven inch, is this a full length vinyl or, or tell me a little bit about this release. And I'm really curious about, you know, the financial aspects of vinyl and, and some of the pressing challenges that uh, are really common with vinyl and how you guys are dealing with those. Uh, well, we're actually still waiting on the test press to get back to us. Uh, now the vinyl release in terms of any release that the label does, we like to leave the medium up to the bands. Um, Mm-hmm. The vinyl press, what, uh, what, what I was most surprised about vinyl pressing because I had never gone through when we were doing the seven inch. Like I was not there for that process, so I, being the ignorant person that I am, did not know what all went into how to actually press a vinyl. So when you're filling out like the seven page forms, yeah. there's a lot. Just like, oh, will you be supplying your own like cutting materials and metal? And I'm just like. <laughs> I, Will I be? That is a funny question. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, with uh, Diego here, it was very easy to be like, hey, you encountered this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I've discovered that meant over time. And I said, okay. And then there was another representative that I emailed a lot with at the actual record pressing place. And they were more than helpful and very understanding. So, uh, if anything, I learned a lot through that process just by sheer. lack of knowledge and uh, ability to research it or ask somebody who has more knowledge. Is this a 12 inch or? Yeah. Yeah. This okay. is a 12. So it's actually for a record for the band that I was in, um, merger. Okay. And so we, 
um yeah we it's a it's a six song ep on as a 12 inch and but it's it's about 20 some minutes so it's just like a little too long to be a seven inch i see but, okay but uh yeah it's actually cut it's cut at 33 just because 45 is kind of cutting it too oh, okay that's cool and so um uh, can i ask who you guys are, are pressing with yeah sure so we're using united record pressing oh, okay cool. um yeah, so I kind of thought when Mike was talking about those order forms, I was thinking that sounds like United Record Pressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, is that not everybody? I just assumed that would be everybody. It, 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 may, seemed... it maybe is, but I remember the these like really big paper forms that were very arduous. It actually updated things in like the two years since when we did the Subterraneans release, because uh, you still have to fill out all the paper form and all that, um, which I actually kind of like. I like the process of doing all that but um <laughs> but i mean it's it's you know i think i like the the concept of it more than i like the physical we're sitting down and filling out an entire form but you know yeah, it's yeah. exciting yeah yeah no i get you yeah i know that and but, is it, um, go ahead sure sure so um but in that time we had to send over what do we have to send over the first time we had to send over digital files and now they have like some sort of site where you can submit it and the artwork you can submit it digitally where we had to like send the physical. Oh wow! Yeah, everything right. physical, and that was like two years ago. So wow. I guess, yeah, I, I had thought I was like, oh, so I guess vinyl is just like really that old. Like you know, I guess, yeah. I guess, like, <laughs> yeah, well, you had to go down there and record it right there. Live. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I had to send in the. Uh, um, the now I, which I actually think you can do at uh, Jack White's place, which is right nearby. Um, so can you, um, uh. Tell me a little bit about how daunting vinyl is. I mean, for me, it's daunting. It's intimidating. It's expensive. Um, there's the the fear of 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 shipping it and the cost of shipping them. Uh, like, what is your strategy for getting these records in house and and breaking even on them? Um. So we. It's interesting. I, it's. I think because it was our first release was was a vinyl release. Uh, it doesn't seem as daunting to me because okay. that was what we learned first. It That's was very fair. confusing when our subsequent releases that were like on CD were like significantly less. You know, like like they they cost a lot less, and they also like sold in a different way. And we also didn't have to press as much, and so it was a very interesting thing where we're like, oh, I guess like vinyl is kind of a different thing. But since we that was what we had learned, that's just what we knew. Mm. Um, so I, I I don't feel too pressured by it. Um, That's good. Yeah, the I think where we're at now, we're kind of understanding a little bit more. Like the first release, I had paid for entirely just with money I had saved up, mm -hmm. and and so now we're kind of in a position where it's like, okay, if we're gonna put a record out, like it needs to. If we're gonna do it on vinyl, it needs to be a record that will sell. So we, I don't think we would do a record, a vinyl record for a band unless they were like a heavily touring band. Right. Uh, and, and really intended to sell, I'm just not looking to create more plastic in the world than already exists. Right. And so it doesn't seem very beneficial to me to print 300 copies or something. If I'm going to have 200 copies sitting in my, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. for the next like, four, five, I have some like, of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but merger, we toured a lot. Um, and so, so I don't, is this a reissue in a way? 
No, this is our first ever release. We put out a demo in 2017, and we've just been using that oh, uh, ever okay. since. Oh, okay. We've recorded a lot since then, but um, and the demo is pretty awful. Um, it, we we'd only played about two shows by the time we recorded it, so we were a pretty new band still. Um, but you know, we always wanted to wait because we we felt that the record, the demos, the point of it was to let people hear the music if they wanted to hear it. And, you know, like get us some shows, which mm -hmm. it still did. Mm -hmm. uh, it got the point across, even if the songs weren't as tight as they would sound or didn't sound, you know, it was recorded on a four track cassette recorder. So it wasn't the most crisp sounding thing. Um, so this is our first actual release, um, which has been a bit interesting to navigate because I usually, when I talk to bands, you know, I'm, I'm kind of talking as like how the label has done things in the past, but everyone in the band has been on the label before and I'm also in the band. So right. it, it was interesting talking with them about like how things a little more familiar with how things work, but also trying to see where they're at with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we all have to come to a consensus, you know, so that was, that was a bit more interesting. So when are you hoping to, you haven't got the test pressing yet or you just got it. When are you hoping to release this? Yeah, I'm assuming Mike and I haven't talked about that yet, but I'm assuming I would want to say sometime in like the either very late summer or very early fall is okay. kind of what we're towards. Okay. Um, it'll give us some time to actually promote it properly, I think. And then also, uh, you know, kind of just get, get a pre-order going. And are, are you waiting till they're in your hands before you kind of announce a release date or how, how or is that going to work? I'd say at least I'd want to at least wait a few weeks after the test press. Probably. Right. I don't know. I guess it's a Mike and I have ever talked about this. This is not I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are, these are just kind of things that, I mean, there are so many like small questions that make such a big impact for, for labels who are in your position. And I hope there are other labels who are in your position who are doing vinyl for the first time. And, um, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many details to it, not just from the pressing standpoint, but from, like you said, pre-orders and, and release date and everything. Right. You, you yeah. Have, yeah, go ahead. No, no you go ahead. <laughs> you have a t-shirt. that I love the design of that. That's a great looking shirt. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, They're Peter, almost gone. Yeah, they are almost gone. So Peter Furman, who was uh, the, the guitar for the Subterraneans that, he and I had originally started the label together. Right, and in, in the email to you, Scott, I actually made a mistake. Um, Mike was not, I said that Mike was a founder, and that was not true. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. It was it was a, an interesting, I mean, Mike was in the room when I was filling out all the forms, and I had probably run some questions by him, so like... It, kind of? Yeah, it's <laughs> The idea was to document two bands, and and, you know, the ten of us that cared about those bands were kind of all involved in some capacity. <laughs> So, anyway, go on. But, uh, but yeah, so Peter um, was a guitarist in the Subterraneans, and he did the graphic design for the first couple releases. Um, he actually left the label because he, he started a studio with um, someone, and oh, okay. like a screen printing studio. And so they he basically just got swamped with work there and just didn't really have the time to work on the label, mm -hmm. which is obviously okay. Uh, <laughs> we just had to... I just needed someone that would be able to like meet up with me more regularly. Yeah. And sure. I live with Mike. So it made sense. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I have a, we have a lot of friends that are artists and, you know, um, all also, I mean, the amount of people that have offered and do help out with a label that aren't the three of us, uh, shouldn't go understated. Uh, we have kind of like parties where people will come and like cut sleeves with oh, us. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. And, and people will, you know, like we, we do vending events and people will go to the they'll events and vend for us. us. Right. Yeah. They'll table with us and they'll, you know, they'll do the legwork of like going on promoting shows and those I, kinds of things. And I imagine even the other bands too would help out, you know, like people yeah, in bands. So, yeah. Yeah. We've been, you know, like most labels, we have no money. Uh, and so, and so, um, a lot of times it has to be a, a talk where it's like, okay, well, how is this getting paid for? If the, if the label doesn't have as much money as it needs to put this out or, you know, you know, whatever, whatever the yeah. case may be. And so a lot of times bands, we borrowed a lot of money from a lot of different friends and they've all been pretty understanding because they all kind of get like when their turn comes around, they right. would hope that their friends would do the same for them. Right. So it's been a really nice communal aspect to it. Um, that everyone kind of understands, like they have to put a little bit forward, but you know what they get back is like support from all of their friends. That's great. I noticed on I I've I haven't had a chance. We we booked this so quickly. I haven't had a chance to really dive into your catalog, but I listened to a little bit of Driver's Ed, which I really like. Um, and uh, I noticed you guys do CDs, or you did CDs for at least for them. Um, I think that's cool. I think that's there's there. Um, I know people who still sell them at shows. Is that something, um, what are your thoughts on CDs? I like CDs. I'm a fan of CDs. And <laughs> we definitely, Me at too. least at the shows, yeah, at the shows that are happening um, in Newark and in Wilmington, I'll find that most of the bands, if they have CDs, they'll come and sell them along with their merch. And, you know, I'm a big fan of them. I have, my CD collection is mostly... DIY bands are bands that I've seen at house shows and then I grab their CD. Oh, cool. You know? Um, so I'm a fan. So are people doing like, how big are the runs? Are they, are they DIY or like, are they homemade or are they like, do you know how, how many people are making? Are you talking about the bands on the label or? Yeah. Or just, yeah. Or I bands? guess, yeah, I guess in general, I mean, Olivia said she has like DIY bands. I'm just curious, but, but I guess specifically for your bands, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we worked through a pressing plan. There's a pressing plan in New Jersey that we've worked through in the past. Um, and we, yeah, so we've, we've always done like getting them printed, like actually in a facility and then going to pick them up from the pressing plant. Okay. Um, we've kind of always wanted to stick with the idea. We had a lot of people approach us about doing like short runs of just kind of like, you know, like. CD burn copy right. stuff, um, which is completely fine and is definitely, I think, a little more affordable. But I think the packaging is interesting to me, and I like, at least for the label, I'd like to, I'd like to keep the uh, a certain level of like, I guess, appearance to it. I I, don't, I stick away from using the word professional because I don't really subscribe to that idea. Right. But um, like legitimate. Yeah, but like you know, I I want. I, for me, the label is to prove that that this can be as real as people want it to be. Mm -hmm. and, and, 
you know, to me, it's worth filling out the forms and, you know, paying a little more money just to have something that like looks good. Yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. And it, and it, uh, when you do more quantities, it brings the cost down and, and yeah, I think there is something, um, enjoyable about a DIY, um, pressing, but, um, I think there's room for both. I totally agree. Um, I want to ask you guys when I was getting started at, at the, the around this time, um, in you know, for better or for worse, I feel like I was really focused on, when it came to signing bands. I felt like I was really focused on quantity over quality. I mean, not not to say that there was anything wrong with the bands I was looking for, but I was just I in order to to legitimize my label, I felt like I needed to have five, six, seven, eight signings, artists, bands, or whatever. Um, is, is that something that you guys have to, to temper yourself on? Like, is that something that, um, you know, there must be a lot of bands in the scene who are, are asking to join your fold or whatnot? Um, no, I wouldn't say that we've ever really focused on uh, quantity. As a matter of fact, we've had a discussion multiple times about pretty much what kind of limitations, because especially when you're determining that you're going to be local strictly, yeah, that's kind yeah. of factor in itself and being record label that we are our goal is never to be the single record label running and ideally what we'd like to do is encourage as many people as possible to create and do what they want to do so we were hoping that being the kind of niche label that we are we could focus on the quality and releases that we want to do and if people like what we're doing and they, their style or what they were looking to do didn't gel with what Impetus was putting out, then hopefully it would inspire somebody to kind of create their own thing and help do a label that's going to do more material in that end, whatever they want to do. That's really so cool. So we made a very firm stance very quickly to say, like, no, what, what it's really about is releasing music that we would like to release because compromise is not very much something that we're about when it comes to the quality of what we do. And that applies to everything, not just the, the bands that we're signing, but even like the media that we reach out to, the, the ways we try to grow, the ways we try to get our name out there. Well, before we reach out to anybody about anything, usually there's a discussion about like, well, does this fit the kind of idea and image that we have for what we want to do? Does this fit the ethics that we're looking to achieve? And if not, then what's the point? You know, mm. growth at what cost, really? And so... Uh, no, that applies to everything we do, music included. That's that's great. You did a better job than me. I I, I think I was just too uh, focused on adding names to my website just to uh, feel legitimate. <laughs> so great job. Yeah. What? I think I were just talking about that yesterday a little bit. Um, I was saying sometimes it can feel a bit discouraging, kind of thinking like, oh, like there's only like, six bands, but there's so many bands in the scene that we'd love to put out. And then mm. I think like, well, you know, we put things out at the rate that seems appropriate. Not every band has recorded something and not every band is a band that we actually really want to put a record out for. And not every band wants to put a record out with us. And so, um, and, you know, like in the same way that like a year ago at this time, we had put out three releases. Uh, you know, now we have what six and we also, you know, made a t-shirt and we, we've recently started distributing for some other labels. And so, and so it's just like, you know, like that's, we're further along now than we were at this time last year, the, the year before that, the label didn't exist. Right. So, well, that's awesome. You know, 
Let's talk about distributing for a second. You mentioned that. So are there good record stores in Delaware? There's a couple. Yeah, there's um there've been more and more popping up recently. Um which has been pretty cool cuz uh there you, weren't there was like Sorry? Do you take your records there? Yeah, we do. Um we've been pretty fortunate to have really supportive uh stores in the area. So There's two or three in Newark. And then, and then two in Wilmington. So, and that's Northern Delaware. We don't really, we're, we're in, we're in Newcastle County, which is like the Northern part of Delaware. Okay. So we don't really, Delaware is small, but you know, we can't make a 90 mile drive just to drop off some records. And <laughs> You know, um, I, sorry, just to, it got me thinking about Delaware and I've really, the I've, I've been there once and I drove from, um, like here in Canada, which is like pretty close to Niagara, and I drove. We drove from um, from here all the way down to Virginia Beach, and we took the the long way, which like went through like Maryland and Delaware, and then Maryland again, I think, and then Virginia. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, that did you go on that bridge? It's I like did. Thirteen miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, it was terrible. I've never been on it, but that seems incredibly terrifying. Oh, it was, yeah. the, it was a horrible experience. Yeah, the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm from Maryland, so so be careful what you say about the Chesapeake Bay. Well, no, listen, the bay is beautiful. The bridge is beautiful. Congratulations on everyone and their engineering feat, but it was terrifying. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. That was a little tangent here. because that. But yeah, all I remember of Delaware is just driving along some small little highway and then it was no longer Delaware, but I would love, I'll have to go back for sure. So the stores are, the stores are supportive and you bring your records there. Yeah, they've been, they've been very, um, kind of just happy to see that someone is doing something like this. Uh, Oh, cool. You know, I would imagine there's a certain level of like excitement about music that you have to have to work in a record store or at least to like your job, you know? Uh, and so, and so they've, they've all been really happy and really supportive. And they usually, you know, like we'll make some sort of post on social media and they'll tell people about it. Um, a lot of them, you know, they do buy them outright. We try and argue with them a little bit when they try and do consignment, just because $5 to us is going to make a lot more of a difference than, you know, $5 to them. Right. Um, right. And, you know, and, and, but most of them, we don't really have to do that anymore. It was a little harder in the, in the beginning yeah. uh, with them but they've all grown to be pretty understanding and get that the records will actually, you know, it will probably sell. That's if we nice. stop. Well, that's great. So, and tell yeah. me about the, the shows and the scene. Cause you guys have like a little scene report on your website and we've talked a lot about that. And, and Olivia was mentioning the house shows. I take it that that plays a, an important role in the label is not just actual releases and blogs and whatnot, but um, the live aspect of things. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the main aspect, I would say. Like, that's, you know, the, the people, it's interesting here, people don't put records out to promote themselves. You know, they play shows and, that's you know, cool. like, the, they don't, you know, most, like I said, most bands, they play a lot, but most of them haven't really toured. And so for them, they haven't really okay. seen a reason to put a record out or, you know, if they, if they want to, it's just not really a thing that, like, it's not a priority. It's a thing that like, you know, they want to do, but they're not, they focus more on like playing a show, mm. um, which I find to be really refreshing. Um, you know, this is where I come from. So I had not thought that of that as being anything different until right. we started until like my band started playing. 
in other places and I kind of realized that that was not the norm. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I think that is a great thing and I think it's pretty organic and pretty natural. And I, the, the surprising thing too is, you know, a lot of people are thinking today about playlists and digital part of things, but, um, playing shows really helps selling physical media. So if you're pressing a couple hundred records, um, you need to play a lot of shows. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely noticed in my two years of, of you know, booking at a, at a house venue, I've noticed that around here, at least with the local bands, um, the physical music and the digital music doesn't play as big a role in building a fan base as the live shows do. Mm. You know, I experienced it myself with my band where we don't have any releases out yet. We're still working on our first release and um, we have, you know, a little bit of a fan base and it, it's most of them are our friends and, and they're fans because they're friends with us. But, you know, we, we gained that little tiny following through playing live shows in the town. Um, and I, I think Diego was right around here. It's, it's something that's very, very important to the scene and to, you know, the cultivation of the scene. That's a great, that's a great <clears throat> reminder. You know, I, I, you know, I did a lot of that and, and the bands that I worked with, I did a lot of that at the beginning. And then you start to get a little bit comfortable because you can release a record in the middle of winter and not have to play a show and get support online. And then you start to get a bit lazy. But I mean, it's a good reminder that um, the foundation of any any band really does start live. Yeah. Let's, let me ask, I won't take your, too much more of your time here, but I want to ask about what kind of challenges you guys encounter. I mean, you've been at this now for... Uh, a year to two years and and I, I want to know I mean you know we the people listening I assume are are in a similar situation as you and and I, I just want to know if, if you guys have any challenges you can share or um, kind of stuff you deal with on a day-to-day um a lot of it is navigating things that we've never done before uh, mm. there isn't really a record label around here that we know of there that we, we know of a couple, you know, like Jade trees from Wilmington. Oh, okay. But, but, oh, cool. um, you know, that, that isn't really connected to what we have done at, at all really. Um, you know, and so, so we, we've had no one to coach us through any of this. Uh, so a lot of it is just kind of like, like I'm building a new site a website right now and it requires coding, which is not something I've ever done uh. or had any doing before. <laughs> um, and now I'm finding myself in a position where I have to learn HTML and CSS right. so I can build a site. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I've, I've never filled out forms for anything other than like approving, you know, doctor release information. So that's <laughs> you. A lot of coding recently. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. And those are things. You know, I remember we talked with um, Katie from Bayonet Records in New York, and in that episode, oh. she was saying about how you know, like one of the surprisingly, like one of the bigger things was even just picking a name and then picking a name that was available on Instagram and Twitter and a .com was available and then finding a logo that you thought was cool now and you'd think it'd be cool in 10 years from now. So there's just these like little things that feel like they'd be the easy part of running a label, but may not be the easy part. Yeah, I, I was pretty fortunate that, you know, I, I worked with, people that were all kind of like, everyone was kind of just excited. We, I, I, I hadn't even, like I said, like we didn't build a site for like the first like six months of the label existing. It just wasn't really like 
the point was to put a record out and then the record was out. And then at some point we're kind of like, Oh, I guess we should probably let other people like outside of the city know <laughs> yeah. that the record available. Um, and so the website just didn't even really seem like something to consider until it kind of smacked us in the face that that was something that might be necessary. Right. Right. So besides that, it's really just, um, you know, like I'd say the normal stuff of like trying to figure out how to get like, like, you know, stores to buy the record and, mm-hmm. you know, trying mm-hmm. to contact a distributor and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's really just a matter of like, th- I think the beautiful thing of, of what, of this whole punk thing, you know, is that things matter as much for as much as you want to put effort into it. You know, if you don't have to put a ton of effort into something and it can be a very like lazy kind of thing. That's a great point. And that's nothing, you know, and that's, and that's awesome. Like, that's great. And then you can, but it only matters as much effort as you want to put into it. Um, I got to write that down. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, that is a really good point. And I, I'm, I know a lot of musicians and sometimes label owners who are, who are modest and maybe like overly too modest and they don't, they don't really invest in themselves or they don't push themselves. But, you know, that's kind of our job running a label is to is to invest and to socially invest as well and that's a good point man yeah i i i told a band once uh i think they asked me like what we actually handle and so i gave them like a little rundown of like what the label really does and they're like whoa that's a lot and i was like yeah well we do this you don't have to yeah. a lot of it bullshit so like you know <laughs> It's a lot of bullshit, but if there's just like one group of people that does it. Does the bullshit. Then like, yeah. You know, and <laughs> thankfully we're all friends, so we all get it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Hey guys, thanks so much for for doing this show and 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 sharing uh, you know a little bit about your label. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thanks course. for doing what you do. I wish I had known about this when I uh, when we were first starting out. <laughs> congratulations on the label and i hope things go really well and and uh i'm gonna stay in touch and uh and keep an eye on on the releases great thank yeah, you so much, so much and thank you for listening you can find out more about impetus records by going to their website which is impetusde.com that's their name impetus and the letters d and e.com or on bandcamp at impetus records bandcamp.com if you're in a similar position where you're kind of navigating the 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 waters of starting a record label or i know we have a lot of just artists who are listening who self-release their music and want to kind of navigate this scene a little bit maybe do what these guys are doing and form a community or take your community and form a record label out of it i think that's a beautiful thing and maybe doing so in uh, your territory wherever that may be Um, I've put together this little guide that summarizes a lot of the advice that we've had from our previous guests, and you can get that at otherrecordlabels.com. We also have a Facebook group that's 80 plus people, which is super cool. So come on over and join that. Go to otherrecordlabels.com for more information. And thank you again for listening.